Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Catholic Talk Show. We got a great show for you today. We're going to be talking about why the dark ages weren't so dark after all. Yeah, we're going to show you all the contributions of the Catholic Church during the dark ages, like art, architecture, science, the underpinnings of Western law, hospitals, colleges, and so many more things that the church did during the dark ages. Yeah. And we're going to prove to you that the dark ages were radiant bright. So let's get our shades on. And let's begin. All right, man, I'm really excited about this episode. Uh, here, here we are in the studio with Father Rich and Ryan again for another Father? episode. It's right. great being with you guys. Yeah. I'm excited yeah. to dig into the dark ages and see how they're not so dark. That's right. And before we do, we want to thank you so much for your continued support and journeying with us on in the You Catholic Studios now on YouTube. If you're watching in, if you're listening in, make sure you hop over to YouTube and check us out. Make sure you're going to CatholicTalkShow.com, subscribing to all of our platforms and spreading the show far and wide. We thank you for your help because that's the only way that it's going to grow. And speaking of growth, we need your support. So check out Patreon.com for forward slash Catholic talk show. So that's a way that you can help us and support us and bring this show to many more viewers and listeners. So starting out the dark ages, how do we even begin to know what period of time this was? Because it's hard to figure out for me because it just seems like it's such a huge amount of span of time. So the Dark Ages is no no real scholar will call it the Dark Ages anymore. And we'll tell you exactly where the term Dark Ages came from later on in the show. But what is really known as the Middle Ages in scholarly circles uh, is defined as the period between the fall of classical civilizations, which really coincides with the fall of the Roman Empire in 476 when Rome was um, when the last uh, Roman emperor uh, lost power to Odoacer, uh, Augustus Romulus. And then it ends. There's some debate as to when it really ends. It's not really a hard date, but it roughly ends with either the Renaissance, but to give it a more specific date would be the fall of Constantinople, which ends the end of the Eastern Roman Empire. Hmm. What's the perception? Like, why is it so dark? Like, why is it considered dark? Yeah, let's put some, like, historical context. Shed some light, the, bro. Uh, like, shed some light on why. So... <laughs> A lot of the reasons that it's called the Dark Ages is because there is the perceived idea that after the really great um, contributions to culture in Western society of the Romans, of the Greeks, where they're creating these amazing um, architectural works, creating this amazing art infrastructure, infrastructure that afterwards there was a real kind of a lack of those artistic and cultural pursuits. And a lot of that, there is some truth to that because after the fall of the Roman Empire, there lacked a central authority to kind of drive these things forward. Now, some of the things that uh, historians will say typify the Middle Ages are population decline, right? There was a popu- plagues, pl- 
plagues, things yeah. like that. Which that's how I envision the dark ages. Bring out your dead, right? Bring yeah, out, bring your, out dead. your dead. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> another thing is the concept of counter urbanization. So during the late classical era, population was centered in cities, mm. but uh, after the fall of the Roman Empire, cities became very lawless and abandoned places. And because it was a feudalistic system, people really moved back out to an ag- agrarian culture, uh, back out to the countrysides because the they because they needed to because there wasn't the infrastructure to bring food and support a centralized area where people can have specialization without producing their own food. Hmm. Hmm. Um, another thing is the collapse of central authority, like we talked about with the the lack or the power vacuum of the Romans. Um, invasions because there is mass immigrations of Germanic people and and Gothics and and uh, the Huns and the Vandals and the Berbers and the Celts and the Slavs. Right, there's people moving around now, where in the power vacuum of the Roman Empire, no longer being there, they other powers, yeah. other powers are coming in to take over the administration of these areas, and it's causing mass migrations. With all of those Goths and stuff, were there were there any emos in there? Uh, no, that's not the same kind. <laughs> um, so those are some of the things that it, it really was a, people view it as a step backwards for a culture and for society. Yeah. And there's, there's some truth to that just because of the, the, the reality of the lack of, like I said, that central government plagues, um, invasions and deurbanization. So mm-hmm. those are, there's some, there's some truth behind that, but it's, during the Spanish and English wars, you know, like the Spanish yeah. Armada, yeah. there there's a lot of tension. This is in well past the end of the Dark Ages. England went on a very – England and a lot of Protestant countries went on a very deliberate propaganda campaign against Catholic countries. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the, the Enlightenment period, right, 1700s, 1800s. Um, they were really trying to show that we are new people and us English, Northern Europeans are very enlightened and the Southern Catholic Europeans are very dark. Mm-hmm. So the balance or the, the contrast between their perceived enlightenment was where the term the dark ages came from. Gotcha. And it was a propaganda campaign basically to make the Spanish look bad. Mm. Darker skin in the South too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So that's where the term Dark Ages comes from. And because we as Americans who live in a culture that speaks English and is, you know, founded by English settlers, that is still pervasive to this day that the Middle Ages was very anti-science and very superstitious and the Mm -hmm. Catholic Church. If it weren't for the Catholic Church in the Middle Ages, we'd be on the moon by now. And none of it's true. They're still victims of a propaganda campaign from a couple hundred years ago. Wow. Huh. Interesting. Propaganda dies. That's right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so let's go into some reasons why the Dark Ages weren't dark. I can. I mean, well, the time period we're talking, uh, maybe almost a thousand years here. It's a thousand years. We're talking, yeah. So that thousand year period is divided into three periods. There's the I mean, early Middle Ages, middle uh, the late Middle Ages, and. Uh, the high Middle Ages. Mm-hmm. Well, right. the university system began to flourish during that time. I know that. Mm-hmm. And the university system was named university, universal. Um, and and it was it was something in Western civilization brought forth in that period. A lot was from the Universitas, right? To yeah. turn together as one. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. there you go. Yeah, which is pretty cool. Did you guys go to college? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Where, where'd you go? Jacksonville University. Ave Maria University, undergrad. Yeah. I skipped high school graduation and then went hitchhiking. Did you there really? You I did. Yeah. 
Was those How your dark ages? Those, <laughs> those <laughs> yeah, it got pretty dark. That's where you grew out a beard. Yeah, <laughs> my hair is down to here, and I was hitchhiking. Oh and stuff wow! Like that. Yeah. Did you have a guitar with you? I did. Whoa, yeah. that's cool. I didn't get a lot of rides. Did you have a pipe? I didn't get yeah. a lot of rides. <laughs> A few kinds. Everybody's like, I'm not picking that guy Pass, up. hard pass. <laughs> so what, give us a story of like when you actually got picked up. Oh, well, Was it is, interesting? Anything interesting? There's a lot of them. I'm not, this is a kid's show. So <laughs> it's a family show, and we don't want to get into the whole Dark Ages of Ryan Shield. We're in, yeah. we're in the Dark Ages of Western civilization. Oh, right. We were talking about universities. <laughs> yeah, so I want to know. You I, didn't go yeah. to one. <laughs> no, I didn't. So colleges were one of the contributions of the Catholic Church during the Middle Ages, yeah. right? And this mm -hmm. is, today, colleges are, I mean, it, you can't stress how important it is for the advancement of learning and education. Mm -hmm. uh, so many, actually, scientific discoveries are founded by college research um, schools within mm -hmm. the universities. Mm -hmm. But colleges started as what is known as cathedral schools. Mm -hmm. So each cathedral would have a school to teach canon law, and theology to the local clergy because they wanted the bishops wanted their um, their priests trained. properly yeah. trained. Yeah. So as these schools started developing, get more well funded, some of them were getting reputations as really excellent cathedral schools. And then there started to happen where you could get a degree, and the Pope, uh, one of the popes during the Middle Ages, says, "Look, if you have a degree from any one of these schools." Any other cathedral school has to accept it as being, you know your stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So that is the first um, diplomas, right? They said, look, these are all good, right? Mm -hmm. So, for example, the University of Bologna, that yeah. was one of the very first one, and that was founded in 1088. That's a college. It's a 1,000 years old. Wow. Mm -hmm. uh, and isn't it, but isn't it surprising like, that, you, that you think for how long it was, you know, especially when you think of Greek philosophy. Yeah. And, you know, the censors of town were... were Socrates, exactly, Aristotle. You, know, yep. you think of that, but then so many years after that, there wasn't an established organization for education for education yeah. for, you know, thousands of years. Until the Catholic Church, so... The University of Bologna, founded by Clement the Third. Mm -hmm. The University of Paris, which is today is still a massively important school, was founded mm -hmm. by Pope Innocent the uh, Eleventh. Uh, Oxford, mm. everyone knows Oxford. That was founded by Pope Innocent the Fourth. Wow. Uh, Salamanca, Cambridge, everyone knows Cambridge, right? That was founded by John the Twelfth. Jacksonville University? No. No. Uh, <laughs> no. No, no. <laughs> so the University of Siena, uh, Valladolid, uh, Maserata, uh, the Sapienza. Uh, you mm -hmm. probably know mm -hmm. that one from Rome. Mm -hmm. uh, Perugia. These are all mm -hmm. colleges founded by papal charter by a handful of different popes that created the diploma system and the doctorate system mm -hmm. and the masters. So they would say, look, this certificate says they are a master, which means they can go and teach at another school. And the development of canon law and theology eventually turned into studying other things, science, because these schools now were specializing. And that's why we, that's why we have colleges where people go to, to spend mom and dad's money and drink beer yeah. bongs and not learn anything. It, it's what? so interesting, though, like to think that the church has contributed so much throughout history and throughout development. And to hear this, you know, in respect to education and some of the most renowned, 
universities and schools in the world is pretty special. But to realize that that's still happening today. Think of how many parochial schools. We were just at St. Elizabeth here yeah. in Houston. That's a, a pretty big school. Yeah. Um, but, you know, all throughout the parochial schools and the high schools in different dioceses and, you know, from the from the you know late 19th century, you know, we had Catholic schools cropping up all over the place in the yeah. United States of America. Yeah. And the mm-hmm. Jesuits kind of carried that torch, you mm-hmm. know, in the 1600s and on forward, you know, developing a, a pretty big system of uh, education. Yeah. I was just, um, <clears throat> you know, thinking about my first year in the seminary. Mm-hmm. Um, we studied the, the the Catholic tradition of philosophy. Mm-hmm. And uh, man, was it amazing. It was mm-hmm. just very eye-opening. And, and I really realized that, you know, when I heard the story of these monks, when, you know, the, the Huns were attacking and, and burning down churches and that, you know, they, they protected the books, mm-hmm. right? Like that, that was like, that was a big deal mm-hmm. because books were not, they were not like, you know, we didn't have a printing press. So books weren't flying around everywhere off shelves and, and, and things like that. So th- the church protected these things is a great asset to civilization, mm-hmm. right? And so, you know, learning that tradition um, and, and knowing what it did for me, like I look at that and I'm like, yeah, no wonder they did that, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So another thing that uh, I think is just absolutely fundamental to how great the quality of life is in modern in the modern Western world is hospitals, mm-hmm. right? The Catholic Church directly led to the development of hospitals. And to this day, they are the largest non-governmental provider of health care in the entire world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the Christian concept of charity and care for others led them to start um, caring for people. So there was a great smallpox um, outbreak in Rome. And that was one of the things that really started turning the tide for Christians to get more sympathy is that they, the Christians were providing care for people, whether they are pagan or whatever, even at the expense of their own health. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that was one of the things I started to say, hey, these Christians maybe aren't so bad. And then once you had the fall of the Roman Empire, you had St. Benedict come up and what is what are Benedictines known for? Hospitality, mm-hmm. and one of the things was that healthcare was a important part of hospitality. So Benedictine monasteries and other monasteries started having or providing medical services, and because they had books and were scholars, they had the knowledge on how to do so. Now these kind of putted along for a while until Charlemagne comes along, and Charlemagne decreed that every um, every cathedral and every monastery needed to have a church, I'm sorry, a hospital attached to it. And that established the hospital system in Europe where nowhere else in the world this existed. And it comes from the idea of Christ, the physician and, and caring for other people. Mm. Wow. The ministry to body, mind and soul, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. literally like the, the, the investment in intellect that the church established school system now realizing that. The church also established hospitals associated with parish ministry and, and the parishes so that the body was being taken care of. And then what we always take for granted in, in relationship to the church is the fact that it, it provides spiritually, you know, the support that, that people need and sacramentally to marriages and to priests. You know, yeah. it's like St. Vincent de Paul, where, where you were, where I went to school as well at the seminary, you know, St. Vincent kind of started the whole thing with, with the development of seminaries and things like that. Wow. Schools. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm thinking also too, just the, the church is teaching on the dignity of a human being and how, mm-hmm. you know, 
we don't kind of stick to our religion mm -hmm. when we're caring for people. It's, it's every, every person has the utmost dignity and being able to care for someone who's sick is just a natural flow from charity. You know, um, hospitals though, you know, you, you kind of look at the, the last century, it's, it's kind of gotten, it's kind of gotten really, you know, business oriented. Mm -hmm. I think it just, it's a recent phenomenon. I mean, it there is. were, there were hospitals, um, geez, as little as 70, 70 years ago was just filled, filled with nuns, mm -hmm. you know, um, and the doctors would practice, uh, and the nuns would be kind of like nurses, a nurse yeah. and, right? and schools too. Right. I mean, schools. It, I mean, that's why they're so expensive now mm -hmm. is because the nuns aren't in the school anymore. Mm -hmm. It was a lot cheaper to, to house the nuns in the convent next door. So that's why we have to pray for women religious. We have to pray for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit because that not for ministry, cheap labor, but because they were excellent and it they, changed it, the world. Well, well, the the it goes hand in hand. The ministry of of the deposit of a priest, as you know, and and a religious sister, you know, that maternal and paternal deposit of ministry is just so essential. Yeah. So we we do have to pray for the the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon women vocations in the church. But even still today, like your dad died in uh, St. Vincent's. Yeah. And that was established by the sisters. And yep. um, and that was established by by them more than 70 years ago. More than 70 years ago. But yeah. now it's it's not in the in the leadership or the hands of the religious yeah. community anymore. Um, it's been handed on. But there's still a sense and presence like when you're walking around the halls and you're seeing the pictures of the, and the sisters and yeah. all these different things. And the priests are going and visiting the rooms and, and there's a priest chaplain there. Um, you know, there's still a sense of, of the Catholicity of, of right. the hospital, yeah. but yeah, I think, I think I miss, I, I've never experienced that firsthand, but you know, seeing the pictures and realizing the history, I would love to see that again. Yeah. I mean, even the word hospital, um, Benedict, the rule of Benedict said that the care of a sick person comes above all other duties. And that's that hospitality of the Benedictines. And those hospitals attached to the Benedictine monasteries. By 1300, they were the largest provider of healthcare in the world. Mm -hmm. And then there came, with the Crusades, an expansion of that system with the Knights Hospitaller, right? And again, that, that word, that hospitality that these knights were providing is where we get the word hospital, hospital for, yeah. you know? And there are so many saints that did, um, in the Middle Ages, there are so many saints that advanced sciences and the understanding of people like Hildegard and Sylvester II and um, uh, Clement of Alexandria and Tertullian even. I mean, there's still scientific and medical breakthroughs that they discovered that we still rely on in the yeah. Western, in our advanced uh, hospital world. Yeah, it's, it's the healthcare. Healthcare is just, is a practice, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you're, you're, you know, we're at a place right now where, I mean, it's healthcare has never been. And I think that's another reason why you start seeing the business side of things turn up is because healthcare has gotten so much more research oriented um, and as a recent phenomenon too. As and that well. research needs to be capitalized by, Right. Copywriting. Some and, sort of yeah. gain. Yeah. 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 And I was just watching 60 Minutes not too long ago, and they had a segment on the potential cure for sickle cell and how yeah. many people are suffering from sickle cell. Yeah. Um, especially through, throughout the African continent. Yeah. As well. There's a big cancer center here, mm -hmm. MD Anderson. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I've, I have a priest friend of mine flew his mother here. They couldn't treat it in Monterey, Mexico. Mm -hmm. They didn't know, you know, how to do it there. Flew up here three weeks later, she was flying home. Wow. I mean, that's just, yeah. it's powerful. Mm -hmm. It is. You know? So here's another thing that we all like. Now, we like music, right? Of course. Just, I mean, but. I was listening to you shred the guitar the other day. That's right. But 
Here's but you other. have a much shorter beard now and shorter hair. Yeah, well, I'd I, really I, like to picture you in your dark ages with like <laughs> some wicked long black hair, yeah, and gnarly beard, skull and crossbones shirt. <laughs> nah, yeah, I do yeah, that. but it's you had like rough. black eyeliner makeup Dude, on, you know, that would be awesome. like from Semi Pro. <laughs> I see a good meme for this episode. Oh yeah, yeah. Up. oh yeah. brilliant. Yeah, I'll share a picture of me. The dark ages of Ryan Shield. But you guys are a couple Italians, right? Last Maybe. time I checked, yeah. yeah. Let's talk Guidos. Oh, yeah. you totally look Guido. The Dark Ages invented Guidos. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's why it's not so dark. <laughs> Put the shades the, on, bro. Yeah, it's yeah, bright man. in here. Hey, bro. Let me, let, me, <laughs> let me take down a couple of buttons real quick. <laughs> no, please, my please don't. Chains. Hey, you're going to melt all this equipment, <laughs> man. <laughs> you're going to Guido on me right now. <laughs> so we owe... The idea of Western music to Guidos. Aguido. No, Aguido, not Guidos. Oh, his name's Aguido? Aguido? No, Guido. Oh. A singular Guido. Ooh. Dude, let's just say Guido. Is he a pope? No. no. Oh. Pope Guido, the no. first <laughs> Pope Guido the Great. Guido the Great. Guido the Great. Okay. Again, let's talk. <laughs> That's the meme. He's Pope Guido the Great. The Great. The Great. All right, we're talking Ryan about. Shield, you're so great. Thank you, Guido. Sorry, you we're big. interrupting. So this hey, is another <laughs> Benedictine, and he was a Guido. Guido of Arezzo, right? Oh, man, what a great name. Yeah. And he was a Benedictine monk and a music theorist. Ah. And he was recognizing that the people, the, the other, his brother monks were having a hard time memorizing their Gregorian chants, mm-hmm. right? So he developed the musical notation system that allows us to read music and Take music and write it out so that people can read it and look like at it. Like on a meter? And yeah. The, like uh, the, the, the seven-note scale. Yeah, the notes. Oh, the yeah. scale. Oh, wow. <clears throat> so you know this scale. Mm-hmm. Do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do, right? Do, re, mi, fa. Yes, absolutely. Do, re, mi, fa, so, we, do. I'm on a roll over here. So Keep it going, you, you big guido. guido yeah, it's like you come to life. Yeah. Western, <laughs> Western music is based around a seven-note scale, right? Mm-hmm. And that's fa, so, la, yep. ti, do. Yeah. Okay. But... The way that he did this, <laughs> you're just guidoing out over here. You I am, man. I'm enjoying this part Focus. of the show. Okay. So one of the chants they were working on to try to memorize mm-hmm. was a a chant to St. John the Baptist. And forgive my Latin. I suck at Latin. I'm better than him, but I suck. <laughs> so the chant was, it, it was, so that your servants may with loosened voices resound the wonders of your deed, clean the guilt from our stained lips, O St. John, which in Latin was... Ut quaeant laxus resonari fibris mira gestorum famulum torum salve paluti labri riatum sancta aeonis. See, you, what you, 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 let me just correct you shut for up, a moment. Shut up, muli. Famu guido, stop. <laughs> so, but if you Where look, you going with this, man? if you look at the first, <laughs> what, are we, what are we talking about? If you look at the first syllable of each Come of those on, words, Shiel. of each of those phrases, ut, re, Mi, fa, so, la, ti. Do! Okay. So there is, so those are the first syllables of this, um, of this chant, Music right? theory, yeah. So there was, so ut eventually turned into um, do, right? Mm-hmm. And C comes from Sancta Ionis, wow. right? So these notes 
become the whole Western musical scale is underpinned by St. John the Baptist and Guido Varezzo. Nice. This does not sound dark at all. This, this is, is not like dark. Man. One radiant yeah, light like jamming right now. Divine. Now they changed ut to do because you Italians just thought it sounded better. And that was just a, you know, it's well, high, you put, easier to sing do instead of ut, right? It's well, they're saying do all the time because they're making the pizza pie. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness really. me! So some some Tro Gregorian the dough in the air. Tro the dough. Tro now, some Gregorian chants had a a semitone, right? That doesn't fall within those seven notes. So um, they added one more. Guido added a provisional note called the gamma, right, from the Greek letter. Yes. So from gamma <laughs> to ut is where we get the word gamut, running the entire gamut. Ah. Mm-hmm. This so, is this is his music nerdedness. Yeah, he's we got to talk to John Heinen because John Heinen is he's a he's a summa cum laude from Yale in music. Guy's brilliant, and yeah. he could he knows this stuff way more than me. But so we owe the entire Western musical tradition and system and notation to Guido. Oh, Guido, an Italian Guido. Love it. Now when we Guido out, we know kind of where to. Give praise. That's it. And we could do that in Do, Re, Mi, Fa, Sol, La, Ti, Guido. Nice, guys. Yeah. All right, Guido, let's move on to another one. All right, so I'm going to combine these two because they kind of go hand in hand, and that's art and architecture. What, Uh, Guidos go hand in hand? What are you talking about? I I don't know what Guidos do. I mean, do you guys guys go hand in hand? I'm ready to talk about art and architecture. Okay, let's do it. Guido's in my pocket right now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yes. So... You know, everyone thinks of really beautiful um, Roman-era statues or Greek statues or the architecture of the classical Roman Empire or the Renaissance with the very just amazingly elaborate, like Leonardo and Bernini and all the great churches. But the Middle Ages made a massive contribution to both art and architecture. Now, after the fall of the Roman Empire, and really it was a much harder time, so there's less resources to go around and specialization to where it made sense or it was even feasible to have someone sit around and draw paintings all day, right? I mean, dude, these are hard times. We got to eat, bro. We can't, you can't be over <laughs> can't there. Can't be painting, man. Can't be painting. We're starving. Painting? We're gonna, that's a great picture. I'm eating it, right? <laughs> so... One of the things that would happen is that so the arts essentially died because there there was a deurbanization, there was a lack of resources for specialization. So art was the first to go. Just like anybody who has worked in public schools or sends their kids to public schools, when they need to cut budget, art and music are the first to go because yeah, they look at them. As, yeah, it's very true. Which is which is tragic. Yeah, mm-hmm. but we know that that's what happens. So really, the only people who were able to become patrons of the arts in the Middle Ages was the church. And the church preserved and made sure that art and beauty were still a thing in this really hard time that was available to people. So through beautiful architecture of churches to where the churches they built in the Middle Ages are just so exquisite and so much more beautiful than... The seashell churches that were made in the 70s? Yeah. Well, (laughs) obviously those. Those are like mind-boggling. Yeah. (laughs) You're like, what was this guy thinking? 
Well, it's true because in it was at, the 70s. It was a strange, strange uh, it was time. Smoking on the weed. Well, or there something. was a lot of stuff that happened in that period of time. It should, we should really study that extensively. You know, it, why we moved away from building cemeteries and associated with the parish. Mm-hmm. Why did we start building these churches in the shell in the shell form and, and move away from you know the art and and the beauty the beauty of the Renaissance? And who who thought felt banners were cool? <laughs> Well, no one in the Middle Ages did. No. In the Middle Ages, they were giving the very best to the church because yes. this was the this this was the center of their life. So you'll see mostly art of the Middle Ages is Christian based. Right. right. So art art I'm good with. The architecture part, you know, you have you had the Greek um mm-hmm. architecture. I think they kind of founded what is what is the art of architecture. Yeah. Right. I mean that that's like Everything goes back to that and runs from it. From where they was really designed with beauty and like right. the idea of the golden ratio and fee being built into the architectural lines yeah. and and even a sense of of permanent like an established permanence like there there was greater uh, you know materials being yeah. used now with church I mean we're constantly rebuilding the roof we're constantly yeah. Yeah. you know looking at the walls it's a disposable culture and a disposable church it's it's true. Yeah. Yeah. But they were building these things that were meant to be a reflection or a taste of heaven. Yes. Right. So you had like the Cistercians, the Carthusians building these these churches like that today. They're so intricate, so actually um, architecturally advanced um, that, that we couldn't even do them today. Right. Like, I mean, you have this like Shark Cathedral, St. Dennis. You have all these just amazing Gothic and Romanesque churches mm-hmm. that pale just absolutely pale everything that there's, we see today. There's very mm-hmm. few artists that are capable of doing what was done back then. Mm-hmm. Um, now in the here and now, I mean, we, we, uh, and we have all kinds of technology now oh, and they yeah. were doing it by hand, you know? <clears throat> right. I mean, I, I think that's where the, the art is lost. For example, Christ the Redeemer parish, beautiful, you know, um, I, I want to say, Gothic. It's 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 shaped in a cross. It's got the high ceilings and the dome. Mm-hmm. It's it's a beautiful. Like the shell is beautiful on the inside. There's a, a nice mosaic at the top, but it's you know big bare walls and mm-hmm. and and you know wooden beams and it, it you, you know you could just you could tell. I mean it's it costs a lot of money to do this kind of stuff, mm-hmm. right? Um, mm-hmm. It's a beautiful church, but mm-hmm. what I'm saying is like when you endeavor to build a church like that in 2008 when it was built, you know. They weren't putting in, you know, they weren't hiring artists to come out. It's just not very cost effective. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a lot of the art that we think of in the, as part of the Renaissance really does owe a lot of itself to the Middle Ages. And it was a kind of a mashup between the classical understanding of art from the Greek and Roman periods with the advancements of actual painting techniques and, and all the work that we did in the intricate uh, illuminated manuscripts and then the artwork by people like Giotto or Fra Angelico. Um, a lot of the, the, the Renaissance comes from Italy, from the church, um, funding artists because art had become so beautiful because of the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, or you'll see some of the Dutch painters like uh, Master Frank and uh, Meister Frank, where they, you can see their work in the Renaissance. So the church provided beauty where beauty was hard to come by. Mm-hmm. And we made massive contributions to art and, art and architecture during the Middle Ages. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and art was an evangelical tool. It was, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So this is another one, is science. Now, this is the one that everyone freaks out about. Like, oh, my goodness, the church. If it weren't for the church in the Middle Ages, we'd be on Mars right now with, you know, 
beer flowing in the pipes because we'd be so technologically advanced. You hear it all the time, but it's just not true. Mm-hmm. So the Catholic Church in the Middle Ages made so many contributions to science um, and preserved all the learning of late antiquity that without the Catholic Church in the Middle Ages, we would be, we would be lost today. We really would be. And the, our scientific understanding of the natural world and the mechanical and physical properties of things comes from the Catholic Church. Metallurgy, I'm thinking, uh, agriculture. Even? Agriculture, mm-hmm, metallurgy, right. biology, Beer. Um, mm-hmm. electricity, mechanics, just um, yeah, there's a astronomy. Good, I think um, there's a good book. We mentioned this in another episode. I think it was... Our monk beer episode. No, yeah, it's uh, How the Catholic Church Built Western Civilization by Dr. Thomas, Thomas Woods. Woods. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a very good book. Yeah. I mean, it was, it's very well written, um, uh, and it's expansive. Yeah, and, and if, for someone who wants to really get into the, right, the deeper part of all this. A, that would be a good book. But even in the Middle Ages, you had people like Isidore of Seville. So when you say, oh, well, the Catholic Church preserved the teaching of late antiquity. Well, Isidore of Seville, who is one of the patron saints or is being proposed as the patron saint of the Internet, did a one of his great works where he tried to write down all the knowledge of the world. Mm. That's a pretty big undertaking. But that's kind of what the Internet is trying to do now. But... He wrote something that was called the Entomology, right? And it was all the knowledge of Roman and late antiquity. So some of the things that we have by like Plato and Aristotle, they only exist because they were part of this book. We have no original versions. We just have him quoting some of these things or mm-hmm. keeping these down. That's a lot of writing. I bet you his hand hurt. <laughs> yeah, just like a huge muscular hand, like his prominent <laughs> hand. Muscular. He was like totally muscular. Total Guido hand. <laughs> you can call me. He had some of Guido's documents. Uh-huh. In that. It's like those Hulk fists. And, you know, he's just like sitting there. <laughs> the Hulk fists are awesome. <laughs> so I think one more thing that really underpins what we consider Western society. So we talked about art and architecture and science and colleges and hospitals, but is our legal system and the way that our legal system is built on rationality and fairness and, and the, the uh, codification codification and evidence and fairness. Mm -hmm. And that comes as a natural uh, growth out of canon law. Mm -hmm. So oldest legal system still in operation mm -hmm. in the world. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of a lot of uh, Napoleonic code. Napoleonic law. That was a lot of that was. Well, did it stem from that? Yeah, of course it did. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, like, for example, the very idea of being innocent until proven guilty, that comes directly from a Catholic cardinal in the year 1250. That was the first time that that concept was ever put out. I mean, everywhere else around the world, you had, like, trial by combat and, like, like I don't know, hold a rock, stick your Flip hand a in coin. a yeah, <laughs> stick your hand in a boiling pot of water, and if your hand heals well, you're innocent. Yeah. Or if you weigh more than a duck, what else weighs more than a duck? Water, because water and ducks float. So that means you're a witch, right? I mean, that's the kind of stuff they were doing, right? And the whole idea of having noble and proper laws. I should do that to teach my kids the law, like laws. Do something like that when they get in trouble. So what floats in water? Ducks. Ducks. And what else? Very small rocks. Very small <laughs> rocks. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. So uh, Cardinal Johannes Monachus in 1250, he wrote 
proof lies in him who asserts, not on him who denies. Mm-hmm. And that is the basis of the whole concept of of being innocent until proven guilty. And he based this on the concept that even God the Father, who knows all things and is omniscient, um, still had a proper trial of Adam and Eve. And he said, where are you? Who told you you were naked? Who told you to eat from this tree? It was a process. It was an actual trial. He didn't just arbitrarily say you're guilty. So the whole idea of justice and trials, and it comes directly from the Catholic Church and these biblical concepts. Interesting. Interesting. Very interesting. So some other things that in law, so the ideal of, of marriage contracts, right, and marital law, um, wills and testaments, right? Those were recorded at the cathedral that he said, look, I want this to happen. There was a structured passing of a family's wealth upon the death of a person, property rights. You know, under other laws, you could just take a man from his property and like the government wants it. Yeah. But the church says, no, there's property rights. People have the right to ownership. Um, contracts came out of of, of this, right? What yeah, we think law. of as, yeah. yeah. Legal procedures, um, legislation, uh, all kinds of things that we take for granted come directly from the structured governance of the Catholic Church. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty good. No. Guys, we could talk about this for yeah. years and years and years and Law's years. Law boring. Uh. Yeah, but uh, we... we <laughs> Law's boring. 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 Law's schmoz. Let's talk about laws and things like that. No, but, that. you know, the Dark Ages, I mean, they get such a bad rap. But really, the Catholic Church did so much during that time to advance and, and preserve society that, again, if yeah. it were not for the Catholic Church... Western society would have absolutely completely collapsed into something unknowable mm-hmm. and unforeseeable as to what it could have been. You know, and I think I'm listening to this. It's like in learning about this, it's like, you know, I think the dark age is just it's just people's sort of projecting certain areas of those times because there were awful, awful times in the dark ages absolutely. with the plagues and different things mm-hmm. like that. So. You know, I think you just you just project onto something like that. That's anti-Catholicism, as really. A, as a yeah, as a scholar or yeah. whatever. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I, I mean, think we could even get, even get sucked into an attitude of our own life as well at times, and look at periods of time that it's like, oh, that was such a dark period of time. Yeah, and not look to the progress that you made during it. Yeah, you know, you're going through suffering, or you're going through hardship, or you're going through, you know, like the plague of your own personal mm-hmm. life. But at the same time, look at what's developing from it yeah. and from the dark ages to have, you know, schools and hospitals and music and art and architecture, the development of the sciences, the development of law, all of these realities coming out of a period of time <clears throat> that's kind of has a perception. And it is the Middle Ages. There was great progress. And it's very interesting to find out that the Catholic Church has had such association with these wonderful developments. Yeah. All right. So nobody expects the Inquisition. I got one for you today. This is very, very medieval themed. I think I need a Red Bull before this. Okay. (laughs) So I'm going to give you a few presuppositions, and I want you to judge as if you were a... Um, oh, God bless. Uh, I already feel like judge. I'm going to fail. Is he playing this. God or playing judge? No. So he's playing the judge here. You're being the judge magistrate. Not, not lest a thee judge. be judged. So we all know that witches are terrible, right? Yeah. 
And we all know that in the Middle Ages, according to the black legend, they burn witches at the stake. Mm-hmm. What else burns? What else burns? Yes. Wood. Like at a stake? Mm-hmm. Wood burns. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but what <laughs> else does you go? Yeah, where he's, he's, he's So these up. are some presuppositions. So what, what else does so what else does wood do? What else does wood do? Yeah. Uh, it floats. Okay. What else floats? <laughs> what else floats? What else floats? A duck, apparently. A duck. Yes. Does a witch weigh as much as a duck? Oh. And if so, can you burn the duck and the witch as heretics? <laughs> burn the witch. She's floating like She's a duck. She's floating like a duck. Burn the witch. Burn the witch. That's obviously a shout out to Monty Python, but we need yeah. your ruling magistrate. Oh my gosh! If a, if a person so, weighs as much as a duck and floats, are they condemned as a heretic witch? Oh, that's the rabbit. <laughs> it's a killer. It's the killer rabbit. It's a killer rabbit. So what's your what's your ruling? My ruling would be that if she floats, she's a witch and a duck and a duck. <laughs> <laughs> And potentially a Guido. So your ruling is she lives? Well, I'm... You're such a mush pot. I'm a mush pot, man, of course, dude. Yeah, he's not condemning anybody. I can't condemn, dude. Less to be condemned. Exactly. All right. Well, I think you passed that. But I just like saying, burn the witch. Burn the witch. It is fun to say that. It is, right? It's fun. Well... Let's go get some little rocks and see if they float. Hey, <laughs> these these two Guidos and this Polak. I like just calling you Polak. I know, I'm but sl- you kind of look Slovenian, like a Polak. You look like a Polak a little bit. You look like a Guido. <laughs> hey, you're either Italian or you're not. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right, dude. <laughs> but is, no, but you're fine by me. We love the fact that you're journeying with us on the Catholic Talk Show. Make sure that you're subscribing, supporting, and spreading the good news. God bless you.